whether they drop off pizza on your doorstep or carry replacement parts to offshore oil rigs. Drones are poised to be a big part of the future of logistics and delivery businesses. Canada is actually ahead of the game when it comes to developing uses for drones, especially on the industrial side of things. This week, we're joined by Drone Delivery Canada President and Chief Executive Officer Michael Zara to discuss the potential growth and scope of the drone industry. Michael and I met on the floor of the Toronto Auto Show where Drone Delivery Canada was showing off its drones as part of an exhibit on future transportation technologies. His company's drones are larger scale than consumer ones you might imagine dangling a package on a rope to deliver a book to your door. Instead, they have compartments designed to carry pricier goods, say an industrial part to a mine in a remote area. I asked him what exactly his company does. So we are a drone logistics company, but it's not just about the drone. We really offer a full ecosystem of products from uh, the drones, obviously, and there are four drones in our current fleet. We also have a battery management system, an automated battery management system. We have automated depots that the drones fly between, and we have a software uh, system called Flight, F-L-Y-T-E, and it really wraps it all together and allows us to fly safely in uh, controlled active airspace. So it's really a turnkey ecosystem solution. And you said from depot to depot, so in more controlled environments. What does that mean? Can you give some examples of that? Sure. So the applications uh, today, and, and they're really dependent on the regulations which are evolving, really lend themselves to, I would say, more business-to-business applications in more suburban or rural or remote communities. Uh, and, and areas. So that really nobody is really flying downtown Toronto or downtown Manhattan, that sort of thing with your e-commerce parcel. And that will happen in the future, but the applications and use cases are really where there's low density population and it's typically a B2B application today. So what kind of stuff would your drones carry and how much can they carry? We're at the auto show right now. I'm looking at a couple of your drones. One of them looks like a small helicopter. Tell me a bit more about sure. what these guys can actually yeah, do. Sure. So uh, we have four in our current fleet and our system is also airframe agnostic meaning we can put our system on future drones from other companies or even manned fixed wing or rotary wing aircraft so we could take our system and put it on a manned aircraft and turn it into an unmanned drone so the the applications are, are very very broad the smaller ones tend to be more, I would say, medical applications or e-commerce or postal mail and these sort of things. And the smallest one is the Sparrow. Uh, it takes about uh, four and a half kilograms of payloads. So it's about 10 pounds and it'll go up to 30 kilometers and it's electric. And then the larger one that you mentioned, which looks like the helicopter, that's the Condor. And it will go uh, about uh, 200 kilometers at 120 kilometers an hour. And it'll take a, a cargo payload of about uh, 180 kilograms or about 400 pounds. And that could be, it could be smaller things in bulk, but it could also be larger things. So you're bringing industrial parts out to an oil rig at sea for urgent repairs or within a mining environment or oil and gas environment where you're moving heavy, uh, heavy products around. What makes drones the right solution in those kind of situations? Why would a drone be more efficient or better to use than, say, actually just taking a helicopter to fly that part out or using a truck to move things around in depot that's more on the industrial scale? So the use cases broadly fall into two categories. The first is where access is difficult. So it could be remote communities, uh, which 
in Canada, an example would be First Nations or Inuit communities, where sometimes it's air-only access. Or in Canada, we have seasonal roads. We've got ice highways that don't exist in the summer. Or we've got sort of shoulder seasons in the spring and the fall where you can't drive over a lake because the the ice is not fully frozen and not frozen enough. So you have shoulder periods where where some of these communities just have very, very challenging access. So access is one uh, use case bucket, if you will. And the other is really where time is of the essence. So maybe you can get there, but you can get there by, say, let's use a mine example. You've got an open pit mine. You've got a $10 million earth mover truck that's broken down on the other side of the open pit mine, and it's going to take uh, it's going to take a repairman in his pickup truck an hour to cross that mine, just because you can't just cross it because it's an open pit mine. It's very big and it's a convoluted path, and I can get there straight line in a drone in five minutes. So maybe I can get there, but I can get there faster with a drone. So it could be a medical application. So we did a project in in Ontario last year, and it was in a rural community working with the local emergency services. And in a rural community, if you're having a heart attack, for instance, cardiac arrest, it could take half an hour for an ambulance to get to you. If that's going to take that long, you're probably not going to survive. If I can get an automated defibrillator to you so your spouse, for instance, can administer it in five minutes, that's going to save a life. So there's instances where time is just so critical. Drones are a better uh, solution. I know you signed a deal last year with Air Canada, with their cargo department. Can you tell me a bit about that deal and the applications there with Canada's largest airline? Sure. So we did sign a deal with uh, Air Canada Cargo June of last year, and they are our commercial partner, and they are working with us to sell and market our solution globally, just leveraging the uh, the information they've got about uh, airspace operations and airport operations and cargo operations, but also leveraging the network of, of customers that they have globally. So are they using your drones in their operations? We are looking at an application specifically with Air, Car- Air Canada Cargo in Edmonton, because we also signed the deal with Edmonton International Airport, and Air Canada Cargo just actually opened up a brand new facility in Edmonton International Airport uh, recently, and we're actually looking at using that as one of the... Uh, Uh, points of origin for cargo. What sort of stuff would you move? It really depends. I mean, it's very, very broad. It could be pharmaceuticals, which have very, very special needs like temperature control and and security. It could be medical supplies. It could just be general e-commerce parcels or postal mail or anything. Now, can you even use drones around airports? I know that last year the federal government introduced a bunch of new rules surrounding when and where you can use drones. There have been some challenges with people flying too close to flight paths in the past. How does that work? Good question. So we did sign a deal with Edmonton International Airport and obviously their active airspace, controlled airspace and a a large international airport. And our system allows us to operate in active airspace because we can monitor other aircraft, we can monitor other drones, we can deconflict the airspace. Say, for instance, another aircraft is having an emergency and the navigator, uh, Nav Canada, uh, wants us to clear the airspace. We can take control over a drone and, and give the other aircraft priority to do an emergency landing or whatever we need to do to deconflict the airspace. So we have a system that allows us to operate at an airport in controlled airspace. I think the instances you're talking about have definitely happened, but I would say they tend to be the more wild, wild west consumer type drones where somebody's completely not following the rules and they're just doing their own thing. We certainly welcome strict regulations and, and we fit within that framework. 
I know the government did introduce stricter regulations last year. Now, your average Joe couldn't just fly a drone around the city of Toronto without a license. Have those regulations been working? Do you think this is a good system we have in place now? I think it's a very good system. And the changes they made, which I believe were uh, in in June of last year, required you to get a license. Uh, There's a basic license and there's an advanced license. And I, and I think that's necessary because, you know, drones in the wrong hands can be disruptive to airspace or privacy or a number of different issues. So I think the fact that uh, now people need to be regulated and need to register their drone, it's a lot more controlled and you're, you're, you're forcing people to take a knowledge test online before they can get their certificate. So at least you know they use the rules. Hopefully they follow the rules, but at least now you know they, uh, they know the rules and, uh, and hopefully will comply with them. So I think it was a very, very good move. Canada has been kind of known for its lack of regulation in the drone space compared to, say, the U.S., which was traditionally, I think, a bit stricter. That has led to a lot of development in the drone industry in Canada. Where has the industry gone in just the past several years? How have you seen it develop? I I would say the drone industry is ahead in, in Canada is ahead of the, uh, the drone industry in the U.S. for the reasons you mentioned. Also, I think in the U.S., not that these aren't issues in Canada, but I think in the U.S. they're a bit more sensitive to security and terrorism and, and these sort of things. Again, not that we aren't in Canada, but just more so in the U.S. And I think Transport Canada and Nav Canada have been very, very good in working alongside collaboratively collaboratively with, with companies such as ourselves to advance the, the entire industry. So we do tests for them. For instance, we are very transparent with Transport Canada, NAV Canada, and National Research Council. We give them test points. We give them data. We give them uh, our risk analysis. And, and collaboratively, we can move the industry forward. I, I don't think that kind of relationship really exists with anybody in the U.S. with the FAA. And, and like I said, they have some other concerns that we don't necessarily uh, have in Canada. When it comes to the size of the drone industry in Canada, how big is it? And how how much growth do you see here? Maybe I'll start with the easy one, which is the growth. <laughs> the growth, I think, is going to be exponential. I mean, we're starting from almost zero. I mean, for us, we've just signed our, our first customers in 2019. And we're actually, as we speak, in the process of implementing them, our first revenue generating customers. So that's very, very exciting. So you know, we're starting from the industry starting from zero in the in the cargo space. Uh, in the delivery space. So I think it's going to be an explosive industry. I think it's going to see dramatic exponential growth uh, today. And then as the regulations evolve, uh, you'll see more use cases opening up, more higher density areas and maybe more restricted airspace where you can't necessarily fly today or more consumer applications and and these sort of things. So I think the regulations evolving over time, which they, they certainly will, will open up even more use cases. So I think it's definitely going to be exponential growth. What the market's worth, it's really, really hard to quantify. It's still a little early. Sometimes people use you know, a logistics market and take a percentage of that. Uh, that's not always valid because there's things that we could do that a courier company couldn't do. So it's, it's really a completely different market. And we're not really even necessarily competing with that market. In some cases, we're augmenting that market to allow the big courier companies, as an example, or Canada Post or whoever, to do things that they can't do today. So it's, at this point, I would say it's, it's hard to quantify I've seen analyses uh, where it's clearly a billion dollar market. I've seen it all the way to you know a multi-trillion dollar market. So it's big. <laughs> <laughs> we can safe, safely bet it's big and that people are paying attention to it. But for now, it sounds like the applications are more in sort of the rural, remote areas. Suburban I, as well, but yeah. Okay. When it comes to that 
vision of drones zipping around Canada's biggest cities, delivering pizzas at your doorstop. How long do you think it will take before we get to that kind of reality? That's a good question. It's not our focus today. I mean, there's lots of others who are posting, you know, very interesting YouTube videos of showing that sort of content. It's I think it's a bit more uh, hype than real business, uh, real business case. But, you know, I, I think we're going to see a few things in the future. Right now, we're going to see what we're doing, suburban, rural, remote, B2B cargo deliveries. And then you're going to see it move into consumer. If I were to guesstimate, you know, it's a few years away. I think there's some changes to the technology that we're making that will allow us to fly in higher density population areas in this year. And so the industry will evolve. So you'll see consumer applications, I think, over the next couple of years. And then if you look out, say, maybe five years, and, and they're already piling at it in places like Dubai, you're going to see unmanned flying taxis. So that's that's longer term, but we'll see that as well. Is that the same sort of business line, like the transporting humans versus transporting cargo? We're not in the we're not in the human transport business <laughs> or the animal transport business even, but uh, our focus is cargo. But if you look at the you know the need to operate safely in the airspace, you look at the you know the need to fly from a fixed point to a fixed point and the infrastructure and you know the scheduling and these sort of things around it, you know, whether you're moving the pizza to somebody's home down the road or you're moving industrial cargo or when you're moving people, the technology's similar. The regulations are going to be completely different. And those regulations don't really allow for moving people today, but they're piloting it today in places like Dubai. So it's, it's happening in a pilot phase. So we will definitely see it. It's wild to think about, you know, when we think about drone delivery right now, when we're not in the fully future mindset. Oftentimes, Amazon is the company that comes up. They have been quite public with their testing of drone delivery of packages. How do you compete with a company like that that has really deep pockets and is developing technology like that? How do smaller players in the Canadian market go head to head with someone like that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't want to criticize my competitors, but you asked. (laughs) (laughs) So... If I you know, look at what other people are telling me, so these are not my words. These are the words of other uh, of regulators in Canada, the United States, of government officials in the U.S. who've come to visit us and done due diligence and, and talked to Amazon and Google, Google Wing and, and a few others. They say they were probably three or four years ahead in terms of having a, a system. I think the difference is Google and Amazon really focused on the drone and the system later, where we from day one focused on the system. So I think we're much further ahead. It's like FedEx saying they're a truck company. Well, the truck is part of what FedEx does, but they've got warehouses, artificial intelligence and systems and processes. So you really need to look at the system. I think the difference is Amazon looked at the drone. So the drone they have is going to move four or five pounds. They're not going to move what we can move. It goes short distances. If you look at what Google has, it gets, you know, it lowers the cargo in a little string with a little cardboard box. I mean, it's not the kind of application that our customers are going to look for if you're moving high value, high risk products or heavy products. You're not going to be doing it with either of those companies. So I think the big difference is we have a system and they have more of a drone. So I don't necessarily see us competing with them. I think Amazon's big enough to be their own customer. And I think Google's is quite far behind. And, you know, the little string in the cardboard box is, is really not going to compete with us in in what we're trying to do. Also, when I think about it, you know, when I do think about those sort of micro deliveries compared to the more industrial scale stuff, to me, at this point, at least, is it even as efficient if a drone has to fly back to a warehouse, get a book, drop it on your doorstep, fly back, get another book versus having a truck with 30 books inside? You know, it depends on the end user. 
people in the, uh, and I'm not a millennial, so I don't want to speak on their behalf. I'm, I, I'm Gen X. I, I'm a millennial, so okay, we can. Uh, there you go. So hey. your generation is very impatient. I think people in, in general are impatient when it comes to technology and the internet and that sort of thing. So people want things now. And in some cases, you're willing to pay a small premium for, you know, just an example could be you're in a very large electronic store and you're looking for, uh, you know, a $500 headset as a for yourself or maybe as a last minute birthday gift for somebody who forgot their birthday or, and the store doesn't have it. So you can buy it online, maybe get it next day. You can go to another store, you can come back tomorrow, maybe they'll have it. Or, hey, why don't you walk around the store for 15 minutes and we're going to have it delivered by drone from our warehouse to the store. Would you, would you be willing to pay four, five, six, seven bucks premium? for that instantaneous delivery, we'd probably say yes. It's true, you know, these pesky millennials and their <laughs> demand for But for I mean, there's, all, there's all right kinds away. of cargo that time is of the essence. It's not just retail. Uh, it could be medical, you know, the defibrillator project, or we can get to a patient who's having cardiac arrest faster than an ambulance, or where we can move uh, pharmaceuticals or vaccines where access is, is very challenging or, or difficult. So I think there's a lot of applications like that where time is critical. Do you work on applications within a factory? Say you need to move X car part to Y part of the factory in order to get that process done faster. Yeah, we, we don't do anything inside of a building. Okay. We really fly externally. We do have a customer, DSV, uh, which is a very large logistics company, multi-billion dollar global logistics company, European-based, and they built a new facility, 1.2 million square foot warehouse in Milton. And our first route with them is actually going to be from one end of their warehouse externally to the other end of the warehouse. The warehouse is just so big, it actually makes sense to, uh, to do it by drone. So there are applications in that kind of environment, but it's external. When it comes to all this external flying, I feel like I have to ask this question in the middle of winter. How do you design drones that are equipped to deal with the inclement weather, let's say, that we get in Canada? Yeah, so we're a Canadian company, so we know all about the Canadian weather. It really depends on the environment. If you're flying in Toronto, it's not too bad. If you're flying in you know, First Nations community or Inuit community in northern Canada, the depots that we have that we fly between, they're called drone spots. They can be enclosed uh, depots. They can have uh, a retractable roof if you want. They could be heated. Or if you're operating in the Middle East, for instance, they could be, they could be cooled as well. So we really adapt the solution to the situation. But we can fly in rain. We can fly in snow. We can fly in day. We can fly in night. And, and temperature we can we can certainly manage as well. Who operates these drones? Is this all automated? It's magic. <laughs> they, <laughs> the they, magical drone <laughs> operation. The man behind the curtain <laughs> operates them, yes. So they uh, they fly as an unmanned system. But we have a an operations control center in Vaughan, Ontario, just outside of Toronto, where we monitor the drones uh, and our projects globally. So if we had a project in Canada and Australia and Japan and Germany, we would monitor those projects centrally from our facility in Vaughan, and, but the system runs unma unmanned automatically. And as I mentioned earlier, if there's an issue in the airspace with another aircraft or, or a potential collision, then we would be alerted through our system, our proprietary system, and then we could take control to deconflict the situation. How many drones would you have in the air at a given time? So our operations control center in, in Vaughan, present day, is uh, equipped to manage 1,500 drones simultaneously in the air globally. How, um, how big do you see that getting in the next several years? It's, it's really hard to say because it's a, it's a nascent industry. I mean, 1,500 is a, is a reasonable number for the, you know, for the next few years. But we have the ability to expand. And if there are countries where we've got you know, 
large population of our drones flying and we've got critical mass, we could open up an operations control center in that country as well. So it really depends on, on the applications and what the growth trajectory looks like. But today we can handle 1500 simultaneously. 1500 sounds like a lot of drones lot. to me, especially yeah. looking at them and yeah. seeing the size of these things. Yeah. When you're looking forward to the plans for the next few years, I know last year was the year you got your first major customers. These things are working, making money now. Where do you see the immediate applications going? So the immediate applications are very, very broad. Again, typically business to business, suburban, rural, remote, very, very broad applications, mining, oil and gas, medical courier, uh, last mile delivery, uh, you know, quite, quite broad. That's, that's today. Because our system is airframe agnostic, there will be bigger drones in the future. So the roadmap is really longer distances and heavier payload. So you could go from one Arctic community to another. And we're working on some, uh, some drones that'll be fixed wing. They could be thousand kilometers and a few thousand pounds. We're working on one. It's a few years down the road, maybe three, four years down the road, but it'll be able to take a 40 foot container. So then you start getting into port applications and wow. shipping applications. So yeah, it's, I mean, there's a roadmap that we have bigger and, and bigger payloads and longer distances. I can't even imagine the size of a drone. You'd need to carry a 40 foot <laughs> shipping container. It might be big. Yeah. <laughs> Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. That was Michael Zara, CEO of Drone Delivery Canada. Thank you so much for listening to Down to Business and thank you to the Down to Business team. Music and production by Bryce Hall and editing by Yadula Hussain. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and rate us on your podcast app. I'm Emily Jackson and until next week, you can get all your business news at financialpost.com.